and good morning, Mike Broomhead. It's you know, it's it's you have a happier voice on Friday. Okay, I'm just saying. How was your weekend? It was actually productive. I would describe it as productive. Oh, I got that's some sad. Stuff done. That's sad. I know. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say it was a wonderful day at the beach, but yeah. I haven't been to the beach since before the pandemic, and I'm really that's my happy place. Yeah. I really need to go. I was on the Gulf of Mexico at Christmas time, kind of assessing the damage from the hurricane. It was a different kind of a visit, but I still love the water. I miss oh, yeah. it. I miss it. Uh, thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we've got so much ground to cover. Nine oh five. Kristen Bentz is going to join me. Many of you know Kristen. She is the head of KB Advisory Group. She is a retail analyst by trade, but advises people on stocks. And she's been doing this for big corporations, I mean, for um, big investors and on Wall Street for years and has created a great reputation for herself. She lives here in the Valley. We're going to talk with her about this SVB bank. This Silicon Valley bank um, disaster that is going on, how does this affect the average consumer? Because for most people, you think, you know, let it collapse. I don't know the answer to this either. I'll be honest with you. That's why I'm reaching out to a lot of the experts. But I want you to hear a little bit of this from ABC News. Um, This is a, a, a speech by the president. What happened to the stocks after this speech? Shares of First Republic, a regional bank, still a large bank that sort of got caught up in all of this, down about 60% last check. PacWest, Comerica, Zion, a lot of the smaller regional banks are really getting hit, but also the big guys too. J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all of those stocks are lower just because investors are trying to sort through this and they don't want to place any big bets on the banking sector at the moment. So Mark Zandi, chief economist from Moody's Analytics, talks about major bank reforms back from 2008. Because of the financial crisis back in 2008-09, major reforms were made to the banking system. The banks are now required to hold a lot more capital, that cushion, against losses than they were previously. They have to be much more liquid. They have to have assets that they can sell quickly to raise cash. So we've been hearing about bridge banks and what is a bridge bank when something like this happens. Here's a description also from ABC. The FDIC has set up what's called a bridge bank. So all of the banks in the nation have to pay into this fund, if you will. They're tapping into that money. The Federal Reserve is also helping putting in some money as well. So no taxpayer dollars is going towards recouping the deposits for these customers. So what is this going to do to the interest rates? That's one of the questions I have. What does this do overall? We know the job numbers remain very high, so the Fed is continuing to raise interest rates. What will this do? Should Americans be concerned about where they bank? Is this going to be an industry-wide thing? Should this bank be bailed out? There are a lot of people that are of the mindset that if we let businesses fail when they fail, then we would be better off in the long run than bailing people out of, of, of places that never quite get fixed. So we are dealing with a precarious situation in our economy. There are a lot of people, I guess depending on where you are politically, that are talking about the economy, but there is no doubt that that people have created much more debt than they've ever had before. Uh, it is a huge number. And I, at some point, whether it's an individual, it's a family, a corporation, a bank, when you get yourself into financial trouble, if you don't right the ship, if you don't do anything about it, if you keep prolonging the inevitable, bad things tend to happen. And it seems to be that the wor- the longer you wait, the worse it gets. And so hopefully, hopefully this is going to, uh, to, to change things. I want you to hear a couple of things the president speaks out about this, uh, the president trying to reassure the American people, and this is one of the things that people need to be reassured about, is your money even safe in a bank? Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. 
But also, and I don't know, again, the headline sounds horrible, but hours before the default of this bank, uh, the collapse of this bank, employees got bonuses. Now, they say that they were earned last year. These is work they've already done. This was already scheduled. All that may be true, but the optics of that don't look good. So the president goes on to tell everyone, you can get your money. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured. I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. So what about the people that invested in this bank? They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. So no protection for investors, but if you have money in those banks, you're going to be okay. Um, We're going to see how this all plays out. Mary Bruce from ABC talking about this not being like 2008. This was interesting. The president wants to make sure that Americans understand and feel confident that they can trust the American banking system and that they can trust that their deposits are there, that their money will be there when they need it. And he is underscoring this point that he says this is not a bailout, that this is not a repeat of 2008. Okay, and some people are saying it absolutely is. And the concern for the average consumer is when does it affect where I bank? You bank at Bank of America, PC, uh, was it PCN Bank? Uh, do you uh, bank at uh, of Wells Fargo? Uh, should you be concerned of the safety of your money? And here's the, again, perception is reality for so many people. This is why I think this is such a big issue, is when people are afraid, whether it's Wall Street or it's an individual, they act accordingly. If you believe that your money won't be there, you're going to get your money. And the last thing that a bank wants is this mad rush for people to go and get all their money out of the bank, take all their cash out of the bank. So that is the concern is that there's going to be this rush for people to protect themselves to have, you know, how many of you out there have, uh, you know, you buy gold or you get cash and you have a certain amount of cash you keep at home, maybe in a safe, um, just in case something bad were to happen. This is all part of diversification for some people. If you see in one case, let's say in this case, it looks like your money was not going to be safe. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm telling you the mindset of some people. If you're a business owner and you are you know, you've got paychecks that go out every week and you have a large sum of money that you're in control of. It's not all yours because a lot of it ends up being payroll. And But if you've got sums of money in the bank and you're concerned that that bank could collapse, meaning that you can't access your money in order to pay your employees and no fault of your own, a bank defaults and you lose everything. That's what the president is warning against. That's what everybody's trying to say. This is not going to happen to you. They don't want to see this mad rush. You couple that with what's happening in our economy. There have been a few things that have it, – it's interesting what's happening is this complication. How will it complicate interest rates? What will happen next? And the other part of it is what about your day-to-day life? Um, I went this morning, and I believe I paid four nineteen for a gallon of gasoline this morning. It cost me about ninety three bucks to fill my tank, and so we're back up to seeing pretty high gas prices. If you got a bigger vehicle like I do, um, you know gas prices are not cheap, and so when you when they go up like this, for some it's an inconvenience, but for many family members, they're saying, "Here we go again. We are financially strapped." How many families have been putting necessities for a while on credit cards that they're worried that they're never going to be able to pay? 
And so they've been doing this and doing this and doing this. And then it started to ease up. We did see an easing of gas prices. And now we're seeing prices climb again. Food prices remain very, very high. So you've got the Fed wrestling with a lot of this stuff. Supply and demand in the commodities when it comes to gasoline or oil, you know, petroleum-based products. We are seeing some relief in some places because natural gas prices have dipped. But when you look now, we've got this nor'easter hitting the northeastern United States. What is that going to do to, uh, to heating oil prices in the northeastern United States? Gas prices here in the desert southwest remain high. This is a concern because the U.S. economy doesn't flourish when inflation is outpacing wages. At the same time, businesses needing to borrow capital to grow or to sustain are having a tougher and tougher time. So all of this coupled together is an issue that is global, and it's much bigger than I'm going to be able to figure out or you're going to be able to figure out. The average person wants to know I'm getting paid on Friday. And that my money is safe in the bank and that I can continue to grow that hopefully someday I can retire. Someday maybe I can put my kids through college. And when that seems to be a little bit um, in danger, people are going to flip out, especially when the economy has not been good over the last few years. So the White House is going to need to stay out in front of this, at least in the court of public opinion. They're going to need to win that argument because if small and big businesses get afraid, if individuals get afraid and people go after their money, you're going to see a big problem. So, again, what we're going to do. Uh, with this topic at 905, if you're interested, somebody who knows a lot more about this than probably either of us do is my friend Kristen Bentz. Kristen is the head of a company called KB Advisory Group. She made her living as a retail analyst for years and years and years advising major investors on the direction of the retail world. She's got her finger on the pulse of the economy. She's been right so overwhelmingly uh, throughout the pandemic and before seeing what was coming and predicting it with us. And so she's going to kind of break it down for us in layman's terms at 9.05, what is happening, what this means to investors, but what it means, what it could possibly mean to the future of the average American. And to me, that's the biggest issue, is what does the average person have to worry about with what's happening here? Coming up in a few moments, we are going to shift um, to the border because uh, Mexico, the do not travel restrictions or not restrictions, but warnings about going to Mexico during spring break and Border Patrol sees a huge surge in El Paso. We'll talk about all of that coming up here in just a couple of moments. And strong opinions. The Mike Brimhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The best Ted Nugent song ever, Fight Me. Um, it was uh, great to see him in concert. If you've ever seen him, he's fun to watch in concert, fun to see on TV. You get Uncle Ted every single time. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Let's talk about the border. Um, President Biden is considering. I want you to. This is uh, this is interesting to me. In the in the dynamics of of what's going on at the border, in the dynamics of American politics, and the things that have been said over the last few years. Um, You've got Democrat senator from New Jersey, Bob Menendez, is blasting the Biden administration over reports that the president may be resurrecting a policy of separating migrant families arriving at the U.S. border. 
He said this on Meet the Press. Now, this I find interesting, and I'll explain why. Um, The issue is here that if you remember how hypercritical everybody was about the policies of the previous administration – I am not someone that advocates for torture. I don't advocate for people to be treated badly. We're Americans. We pe- treat people differently. But I also am an advocate for making sure that if you're doing something wrong, it's uncomfortable for you. Again, I'm not calling illegal border crossing the crime of the century. In most cases, it's people looking for a better life. But we know that it has become much bigger than that. The we, We've talked about the drug cartels. By the way, Senator Menendez also said that he doesn't believe that we should be um, – designating these organizations as uh, these cartels as terrorist organizations. He doesn't think that just calling them that does anything. Well, it isn't. It isn't necessarily that, that doesn't necessarily do anything. But if we treat them as such, it might be different. Let's not forget that the only people the, the fentanyl crisis is the worst of the worst. We are seeing so many young people die on our side of the border in America from fentanyl. Now, this is a problem that I've been very uh, comprehensive in my approach to this. Um, the, it is being profited. They're profiting from this in the cartels. There's no doubt about it. But so are Americans. And this is where I want all of us to have this in mind. We should be angry at the cartels. We should be very afraid of the cartels and their growth and their power and their use of force and how they do things and their intimidation and the corruption they cause and the crime and the death. There's no doubt about it. But where's the message to any American that would be involved in this? I mean, at this point in America, when we look at the crisis of of um, fentanyl and how many Americans are profiting from the death of their countrymen, how many? How many people out there are uh, muling this stuff in? They say it's coming in any way. They make all these excuses in the world, but they are, in effect, representatives of the cartels in dealing in fentanyl, distribution of fentanyl across this country. Shouldn't we all, as angry as we are at the cartels, what we don't expect anything more from them? The cartels, by definition, are an organization. I think they're terrorists. They're an organization that cares nothing about human life. Nothing. It is all about power and profit, and they go hand in hand. But what about the Americans that are watching Americans die? It's the number one killer of young people in our country. Are we ready, willing, and able to identify them or perceive them in a different way? Perception matters in how things work. I know this is going to be a dumb analogy, but if you think back to when I was a little kid in the 1970s, smoking was cool. Both of my parents smoked in the car with the window cracked, or maybe that one little smoker window was open in the car. My parents smoked in the house. My grandfather smoked in the house. I used to roll my grandfather's cigarettes when he used to have to buy bugler tobacco. I would help my brother and I would take turns rolling my grandfather's cigarettes. Johnny Carson had a lit cigarette on the stage, and it was in all the movies and all the TV shows and on live TV. It was a cool thing to do. Since then, as we've learned more about it, if you remember, NASCAR used to be the Winston Cup Series from Winston Cigarettes. And as public perception changed on tobacco use because of how deadly it was, the carcinogens that were put into that tobacco that people were either chewing or smoking, that we have completely changed the public perception where you can't smoke in public buildings anymore at all. In Arizona, it's against the law in any building. So – 
we've changed that perception and we've seen what that's done, whether it's good or bad. We know public perception when it changes, changes everything. Are we ready to change the way we perceive people that are dealing with the cartels and bringing this poison into our country? And if so, when? Now, I'm not letting the cartels off the hook. I'm saying we should go after them full speed ahead. But on this border issue, what's happening in El Paso right now with an overwhelming number of people trying to cross, these caravans of people are also being brought into this country by the cartels. The cartels are the only people that are winning when it comes to the American immigration system. The Americans certainly aren't. Our, our federal agents certainly aren't. The states aren't, and the people being brought here aren't. The only people that are winning are the cartels. And at some point, we as a nation have to do something. If, you know, Senator Menendez is worried about separating families at the border, that's the least of my worries. If the message is getting out that you will be separated from your children, maybe people won't make this dangerous journey. Maybe people won't be enriching these cartels. Maybe people will think twice about coming. Sounds harsh. It might be harsh. But even the Biden administration, after seeing what is happening at the border and realizing maybe some of the harsher tactics were an answer to getting people to slow down and think twice. Maybe that was the case. But we've got so much at issue here. Border security is number one, and we can't get a handle on it. We are not able to with the current system we have in place. How seriously are we going to take it? And when it comes to the drugs, are we willing to hold Americans accountable and say they're bring, they're poisoning their own people in the name of profits? It's sad. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me. It's our Big Q poll question of the day, so please stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. How did you like the Oscars last night? Were the Oscars last night? Oh, goodness gracious. You didn't watch all the pomp and circumstance and all the, the red carpet that wasn't red? You didn't watch any of that stuff? I would rather have my fingernails pulled out huh. with needle nose pliers. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. You want to hear my cue? It's funny. Let's let's hear it. Uh, we, you know, there was uh, the best picture. Did you see? Uh, which is the uh, correct title of the film that won best picture at Sunday night's Oscars? Okay, I want you to take the quiz. Take the cue. Which okay. which is the correct title? All right. Everywhere, anything, all the time. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everybody, every day, all you can eat. Or D, who cares? Nobody got slapped. Hmm. I couldn't tell yeah. you because I've not seen. You know, I haven't seen the last new movie I saw was one everybody hated in Hollywood uh, because it glorified the military, and that was Top Gun Maverick. So, <laughs> Top Gun was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I think it's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. And I guess it won like all the big awards, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to see it. It looks, I guess it's supposed to be. Uh, did you see that guy? The The mummy guy won best actor too. Did you see that? Brand, guy, Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser? Yeah. Yeah. The mummy. Yeah. He did, Remember the mummy? How yeah. great that movie? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. guy won. Yeah. It was something to, it was, uh, I didn't, it was something to not see. He was in a great movie with Joe Pesci in the early nineties called With Honors. I really liked that movie. 
You like that movie? I did. Huh. I did. I don't. I don't remember that one. I wonder if these ratings are going to be any good for uh, the Oscars because last year you can't top last year. I'm not, a big, a I'm not a big awards guy anyway. No, me neither. Mm-mm. But you know? when somebody gets slapped, you watch it. That's true. That's when true. When someone gets slapped, I mean, you watched it yet last year when they got slapped. I didn't. Right? I, I saw the. I saw that highlight, if you call it a yeah. highlight or low light, yeah. whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. yeah. You don't. You don't like those. Uh, you're you're a little jealous of those Hollywood actors. No, aren't I'm not at all. I just. No. I don't. I, they make I don't a lot care. of money. They're, they do. Famous. They do. Yeah. I don't yeah. care about the. Fa- I'd like to have the money. I don't care about the fame. I'd like to have the you money. Don't, yeah, yeah. So real quick, I got less than a minute. But real quick question: What do you think? Yeah. U of A, ASU, and Grand Canyon University. Arizona well represented it in March Madness. Uh, I I think probably U of A is going to go a few rounds. Uh, I don't know if ASU gets out of the play-in, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'm one of those guys who really don't – I don't watch any of the basketball until March Madness starts. Yeah. Uh, and then usually I win the KTAR uh, pool. You I know. know that's that. why I, I asked you because I, I know in the past. I know you've won in the past, so. Yeah. Well, I have a I, – I, I copy from somebody that I know, and it doesn't take a lot of skill, and um, mm. that's how I roll. I cheat. That's how I win. Good I man. Cheat. If you ain't cheating, you ain't yeah. trying. That's right. That's All right. right. Man. I'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Thanks, Gatos. The VQ poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. You can check it out at KTAR.com. Uh, joining me just after 9 o'clock, Kristen Bentz from KB Advisory Group. Kristen is a retail analyst. She's going to help us break down this uh, Silicon Valley bank debacle. We'll get to it in a moment.